Oh, oh, Clint, you're awesome. I think that was not this week, but that's okay. Uh, something I have not been able to say for a long time. Today will be our last day in the book of Romans. Now, I don't know if that really necessitates an applause, but we've been working our way forward, all right? And I've told you before, in a lot of areas of my life, I'm, I'm, I'm striving to, in some places I'm doing good, in some places I'm doing not so good, I'm trying to learn to enjoy the journey, all right? Where are my destination-driven people? Raise your hand real quick, all right? It's all about getting there, all right? I, I, and I, you know... I know I'm closing in on 50, but I still blame my parents for this one, all right? I just, you know, nice people, don't get me wrong, they're right down here, all right? But let me just give you a quick idea, road trip, when, when I was a young kid, we had an RV like a lot of people, we travel all around. Uh, if it was a trip under 700 miles, there was no bathroom stop. It just wasn't. Now, that might be a slight exaggeration, sometimes 650 we could stop, but, but, uh, so, you know, and when we, when we roll that mindset into Scripture, what, what we can do, and, and this is not healthy, is we just go, oh, I'm going to read five chapters today, right? Now, just from the very beginning, we're going we're, we're gonna to get just gut-level honest this morning. How many of you have ever read the Bible, closed your Bible, and you don't have any idea what you read? Anybody do that? Look, leave your hands up. Look at that. So, now... Large consumption of God's word is good, all right? But if we don't understand it, if we don't apply it, right, then what we may be able to do uh, uh, is, is check a box and say, well, I did X, but what God really wants us to do is learn his word and apply it to our lives, all right? One of the most dangerous things we can do is, is, is kind of lull ourselves to sleep by thinking, hey, I read the Bible. Well, that's good. There's worse things you could use your reading time on. Um, but if we don't learn it, and so that's why we try to slow down in the, the summer road trip series and just say, hey, what does this say? Now, that being said, today, we're gonna, I'm going to combine about three messages into one. All right? So you didn't know that you're getting a three-for-one deal today, but that's, uh, that's basically what we're going to try to do. This is the last part of his letter. Um, he goes back into some, uh, uh, some greetings and... and um, but what I want you to notice is he doesn't pull up. He, he keeps his foot on the pedal, if you will. He's still hitting on some hard stuff, some important stuff, some key things that he wants them to know and, and do. So you'll notice we've got the same portion of Scripture that we looked at last week, uh, chapter 16, verses 17 through 20. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way. Don't be one of those people. Intentionally or otherwise, do not be a Christian who puts obstacles in other people's path. One that would cause division. We don't want to be that, Grace. Amen? We don't want, that's dangerous ground. Uh, uh, put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. You know, the Bible also says, like, you know, one of the things we get wrong sometimes is, well, we've got to love everybody. Love them, but keep away from them. They're dangerous. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. All right? If you don't believe me, check it out. All right? So Paul isn't saying, hey, just, you know, dance nicely with them. He says, stay away from them. Keep away from them. Uh, if you have a, a King James or a New King James, it would say avoid 
them. All right? For such people are not serving our uh, Lord Christ, but their own appetites. With smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Now, are all people who can, can talk well and be complimentary fake and false? No, he simply says, watch out. This is a, a tool. Everyone has heard about your obedience. This is a corner that, that he's turning here. And this is where we'll focus our thoughts for this morning. So I am full of joy over you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. There's probably a couple messages just right there in that truth. The peace of God will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So real quick on your note sheet, uh, the Roman church is known for, is, is complimented for, is commended for their what? Their obedience. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this this morning, other than I would like to say this. Wouldn't it be nice if we as a church, because that's what we have the most control over, right? Ourselves, our, our church. What if we were known to be a people who actually obeyed God? Now, that, that might sound a little crazy. You go, well, don't all, well, I don't know about you, but... Uh, um, there's still stuff in my life that I could get more correct, quicker, easier, with more joy, with less, oh, I know i got to do this, but boy, I sure wish, right? Wouldn't it be a great character? See, because reality is, friends, churches are known for a lot of things. And as a, as a, as a leader of a church, I, always, I pay attention to that stuff, and most of the time I just giggle, all right? at the stuff that people think is really important and stuff that people don't care about. And, of course, that would vary by who we are and things that we would consider to be important. But the reality is, is, is Paul's mentioning here not the size of their church, not the style of their church, not the, 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 the physical location, all right, good part of town, bad part of town, right? Are we talking about one church here? No, remember, we're talking about multiple churches in the city of Rome, all right? We're not talking about the big building they have that's, that's super cool and, and beautiful. And as, as a guy who likes buildings, one of my favorite things to do when I go into a city is find the churches. All right? And uh, what's unfortunate is nowadays, a lot of the churches aren't churches anymore. You want to know what I think of that? Because I think at one point, that was a house of worship. That, that, that's just me. You don't have to, have to feel that way. What Paul is commending them for, it's already known, hey, you know what that Roman church does well? They follow Christ. They obey. When it's easy, when it seems quickly beneficial, or even when it's hard. And I think, man, that, that's something that, you know, as you read through Scripture, you could, you could stop and you could think about that for a few minutes. What could I do in my life? What could you do in your life? What could we do in the life of our church to have as, as, as one of the hallmarks, as, as, as one of the noteworthy factors, the fact that we are obedient? I can tell by how quiet it is. We're loving this idea. Now, here's what I don't want you to leave here. Say, well, well pastor said I need to work on getting the other people in my community group to be more obedient. I didn't say that. All right. You're responsible for yourself, right? 
and then of course how that rolls out in the community but it just it's we, we got to just stop and think about it for a minute and say wow that's a great thing to be known for obedience honoring god look at matthew chapter 28 jesus some of his last words here before he uh, uh, uh exits he says there uh therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything I command you. Okay? Unless you are an incredibly unique individual that I have yet to meet, personality type-wise, there will be stuff in the Bible, friends, that you will find fairly easy to adapt to. For a variety of reasons. And there will be other things in Scripture that you just go, well, I don't, I mean... I don't know. And when we can't grab for a reason, we just go, well, it's 2018. Okay? The reality is Jesus said, hey, it's about discipleship. You've heard me use the term before, the hard work of discipleship. Working those things out in your life, in the life of people that are around you that are important to you. You might take a moment if God's speaking to your heart and just write something down and say, hey, here's an area or areas that, that I need to work on. And let me suggest this. Don't just try to do it on your own accord. Don't just try to do it with your own strength and your own ability. We have a gift in the Holy Spirit that helps us live God-honoring lives. Power to do things that you and I can't do on our own. We're not intended to do on our own. We're intended to, to, to lean in and rely upon that power. So there's that commendation for them. Look back at your note sheet. Uh, at the last part of verse 19, all right? He says, I'm uh, full of joy over you, so he's glad to hear these good reports. Uh, the church is doing pretty well. And then he says this, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. So I want to spend a couple minutes processing that with you this morning. So what's the clear first admonishment? Letter A there on your note, note sheet. Wise regarding what is good, what is godly, what is God-honoring, to know about it, to understand it, to know when to do certain things and when not to do certain things. Okay? It's one thing to have the intellectual knowledge about things that are good and godly. It's another level. It's a level that, you, that we're required to live at that, that says, hey, and I actually know how to do this. I know how to fold that into my life. Right? And Paul's clear admonishment is, be good at what is good. You say, well, well of course. Right? The opposite side of that is what? What's the second part of that verse? Be innocent of what is evil. Friends, this is, this is not my idea, but i got to tell you, af after a couple decades of pastoring, th this is a huge, huge benefit for you and I. I, I don't understand why, and, but I say our because I, I have to include my heart in this. There is something about uh, 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 knowing a little bit about what evil's doing. And you know what the Bible says? Don't have anything to do with it. Be innocent about it. 
I've honestly had conversations with people, and I'm not thinking of anybody in specific, but with people, and they say, well, yeah, but how else are we going to pray? Listen, you, you don't know how to know what so-and-so and so-and-so are doing. Eh? You don't need to know the, the insides and outsides of, 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 of sinful behavior. And I don't even want to mention any this morning. Because huh? what does that do? That just gets our mind going in a direction, going, oh, yeah, that, 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 that. I can't tell you how much time Christians, sometimes even prime Sunday morning time, we spend talking about how bad the devil is. We're going to get it to this, so I, I need to not get too ahead of myself. But let me tell you one overwhelming characteristic of the devil. He's a loser. He's lost. All right? There's no benefit for you to know, oh, well, you know, such and such, and you, 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 some segment of, of evil in our world. You know what they do? Who cares what they do? I joke with you, but it's the absolute truth. You just, I just try to use humor to, 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 to soften the impact. But, you know, I only got so much hard drive space up here. Right? And unlike my computer, I can't run out and buy a bigger, faster one. Right? So you know what I have to do? I have to choose what I'm going to store. I have to choose what I'm going to learn. I'm gonna have to, I have to choose what I'm going to spend my mind and my emotions on. And what the Bible says is be innocent of what's evil. I am not a person who thinks that, that social media, TV, radio is evil. I think it's neutral. I think it's a communication method. All right? Maybe it's quicker. Uh, 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 maybe it's easier to, to spread and, and propagate things. But, you know, you could use an old-fashioned, I don't know if any of you still have this in your home, but they're still making them. You could use an old-fashioned pen and piece of paper and promote evil and discuss things that just don't have a place in the life of a believer. Don't do it. Don't do it. Watch what you let in. Now, I'm going to give you a specific thing here this morning, but I'm going to move to my left because this is my opinion. I can't, I can't show you this in Scripture, all right? Don't rely upon Hollywood's rating system for what's good and evil. It's very subjective, but, but I, I, the movies today that are rated R wouldn't even probably have made it to publication when I was a kid. Anybody remember when, when, when uh, Jaws was a big deal? Yeah, I remember begging to be able to stay home from Sunday night church because the, the, the TV version was going to be, right? It's like a kid's cartoon now. I mean, what, the, the mechanism thing is so cheesy looking. It's like I can't even believe that you want me to believe that you just chomped that guy's leg off. That thing is, right? But I dialogue with parents, and we talk about their kids, and I think, well, but, but just, be, just because of the, and I'm not judging anybody, I'm saying, but I'm saying, well, but look at the, the garbage that you're pumping into your kids, your grandkids. Be careful. Why, why is it cool to know about evil? I don't need to know. I mean, half the time you go to a movie, I can't even believe that they let you watch the little pre uh, 
a little trailer thing, right? They say it's for all audiences. I'm like, oh, I, don't, I must not be all audiences then. I don't even want to watch the trailer. Why? Because I'm such a prude? Because I don't. No, because what I got to do is I got to protect this mind of mine. As a believer, what I want to do, what I'm commanded to do, is to be good at godliness. To be wise about what is good. Not wise about everything that's out there. I mean, is that the worst thing if somebody brings up to you in whatever situation at work or, or you're, you're out hunting or fishing or, or you're at a family reunion and somebody says, what about this and this and this? And you go, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I mean, Pastor, you know, I mean, I, I got to kind of know the times. Right? Friends, evil's evil. It always has been. It will be. And I find it interesting that although he compliments them about their obedience, what he says right after that, it, you can see the seamless transition there. Hey, I have, I have much joy because of your obedience. Here's a challenge I want to put out for them, and I think it's a challenge for us today. Be wise about what's good. Be innocent about what's evil. Don't take it in. It might cause you at some point to have to explain why you don't know the latest, greatest, whatever. Right? But what it will do is it will help feed your soul to be wise about what's good. You will not be putting barriers in your own way. Some of us are pretty good at that. Some of you don't know at all what I'm talking about, and that's okay. Look at the back side of your note sheet, uh, 2 Timothy. This is a little bit long. It says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue what? Righteousness. Righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I just want to, I want to get it right. I want to be wise about what's good. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. The Lord's servants must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him must be uh, gently instruct in the hope, in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. That they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. What's the one trick that the devil's got? Lies, deceptions, traps, something that looks good. The reality, the truth is it springs and you, you're in trouble. They will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to his will. Friends, I can't stress enough how important it is as, as an individual and as a church, we're just innocent about what's evil. I'm not saying evil doesn't exist. Of course it does. Right? And in some segments of our society, it flourishes. It's not just tolerated, it's encouraged. Right? The truth is, if you're a believer here this morning, what you're supposed to be good at is godliness. Righteous living. And not, well, yeah, but I have to know all the details of this because, no. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I just love, I love God's word. So complete, so clear. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil. Anybody confused by that? Do we get that language? Right? It's one of the beauties about little kids, right? They just, 
They don't get it. Their heart and mind isn't there. It needn't be there. All right? So what he says to the Corinthians is, uh, be innocent as babies when it comes to evil. But be, what's the Bible say there? I want to hear you say it. Mature and wise in understanding matters of this kind. Now, just for clarity, what he's talking about there is the, the use of, of spiritual gifts. Right? And that's something that we could argue about. But he's saying, no, be mature and be wise. Right? Be like a baby when it comes to evil. You're not paying attention to it. It's not something you're trying to learn and develop as, as part of who you are. But when it comes to good, we need to be mature. We need to be people who understand. We have some, some depth to us. I don't know what it would be, friends, but I want to encourage you, even now as I'm talking, just, just to maybe write that something down. Here's something that I maybe ought to get rid of in my life. It's not helping me. I'm not saying you don't love God. I'm not saying that you're, you're but I'm just saying, you know, and maybe it's, maybe it's something that you know clearly isn't good for you. All right. Or maybe it's something you say, hey, it's just the way we've always done it. But maybe today is a day where God speaks to your heart and says, hey, but there's something better for you. You can do something different. All right. So I think this, this, just that sentence alone, friends, is worth a lot of thought, a lot of consideration. But you, I want you to be wise about what's good and innocent about what's evil. Those are good, lofty goals. And then, the, then in verse 20, he, he kind of drops this, this, this truth bomb, if you will, that's just a fabulous reminder of the truth. I mean, the, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What does that mean? All right? To the best of our knowledge and understanding of the letter that he's writing he's not talking about a specific uh, thing that's happening in Rome uh, any uh, specific victory or or issue that will be resolved what he's doing which is what he does all throughout Romans is he gives this this overarching truth write this down somewhere in the margin of your notes because this goes along with the evil and good equation this is the first time the first time, 16 chapters, we're down to verse 20, right? that he mentions the devil. You know, a lot of times as believers, we give the devil a lot of free play. We give him a lot of free media in our life. We give him a lot of emotional energy. And I think we need to be careful with that. Right? Is there such thing as good and evil? What's the answer to that real quick? Yes. Is there still evil today in our world, in our community? Yes. All right. But sometimes believers are the ones that are pushing that stuff forward as much as anybody else. If you want to talk about it. That's why you've heard me say probably, uh, you know, I don't know how many times, I don't want to give the devil free press. I mean that sincerely. I don't. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a destroyer of people's lives. And so what he does on the heels of that is, is remind them that, yes, there's evil, but that the devil is defeated. Right? 
And we get so caught up in stuff. And, and I grew up, I'm going to turn this AC down here a little bit. Uh, uh, we get so caught up in, in stuff. I grew up in an era where uh, the Frank Peretti books were a big deal. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This present darkness. And I'm not saying those are bad. In fact, uh, the Peretti's are good Assemblies of God boys, and I grew up in Assembly of God Church, and, and they're from our network, and, and, you know, I mean, I could really impress you and tell you about how many times I've met them. I'm not personal friends with them, but, but um, one was a missionary in Italy. That's a tough place to live. Uh, but anyways, and, and uh, that, has a, that has a place, perhaps, but I think it's noteworthy that in one of the greatest letters, Christian letters ever written, the book of Romans, Paul doesn't talk about it. He doesn't give him a bunch of press. Why? Because as a believer, our lives are focused on God. Our heart's desire, deeply embedded in the life of a Christian, is I want to glorify God. And I only got so much time and energy. I've only got so many words that I'm going to be able to use today and this week. How many of that am I going to give to the devil? So this is... This is interesting, very end, after talking about good and evil and that encouragement, he mentions the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Okay? So just, just, just quickly, with a little bit of time that we have, the broad scope of Satan's defeat. All right? So the first one there, uh, number one there, which I have in brackets, past, Jesus' victory, the cross, the empty tomb. Don't go by that too fast, okay? Because one of the things we could be uh, uh, tempted to do is jump quickly to number two, which we do have a role to play there. But as a believer, we believe that Jesus died on a cross, that he was buried in a borrowed grave, and on the third day, just like was prophesied, he rose from the dead. Can we agree on that quickly? All right? All joking aside, the best thing I know how to say, friends, that's a world game changer. Never happened before, never happened since, right? Why did Jesus do that? Because he loved us that much. Willing to endure all that for victory in your life and in mine, right? If and when we forget that, we're missing out. We're costing ourselves spiritually because we, have, we end up rolling into a, a salvation that's driven by, by works. And that's not how we know we're saved. Right? We know we're saved because of the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 3 says this, He who does what is sinful is of the devil. Now listen, I probably don't have to say this in this group, but don't run around and go, hey, you're of the devil, because don't. that's not your spot. Okay, that's not what he's trying to say. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. It's what evil does, all right? The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's why Jesus came, singular mission. Follow out, obey the clear desires of God the Father. And in that, friends, the devil is defeated once and for all. 
Now, the second thing, the second part of this is what's, what's happening in the present. Now, this is where you and I get to be directly involved, if we would so choose, by living out the Word of God, by deciding to be innocent about evil, and by pursuing diligently, relentlessly, things that are good and godly. Right? Ephesians chapter 6, I, didn't, I don't have room for it all on, the, uh, on your note sheet. For our struggle is not with uh, flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What does that mean, real quickly? That means that person, even that situation, is not a direct battle. Uh, they might be, in use, be used, they might be part of the equation, but the true battle is happening in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on, what's the Bible say there? Underline the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Now, real quick, and again, I'm not trying to be funny. One of the worst things you can be in life is half-dressed. Most of the time, because I'm, I'm a little messy, and I like to have a, you know, at least a semi-iron shirt. It's iron when I leave but my house, but I, I don't put on my shirt. I always have a, a, a white T-shirt on. And, and uh, this morning, I just, I just am getting ready to put my shirt on, and Kevin starts yelling for me. Not, not yelling, but just you know, had a question for me, and, and they're working out the song set and stuff. And, you know, I just, I'm not coming in here half-dressed. Now, reality is, you know, it's a white T-shirt. If it had printing on it, you, you could probably wear it around town. But you just have this sense that I'm like, trying to go quick. So. Spiritually speaking, you don't want to be half-dressed. Because that's not the way to defeat the devil in your life. Those evil things that would, would crop up. I didn't, I didn't have room for this, but I want to read to you the rest of this description, all right, of what those pieces of armor are. And again, to me, this is one of those things where if you were reading, you could stop and you could meditate on this and you could think and you could, you could look back and forth and say, well, hey, what's he talking about, this, 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 this defeat, all right? So uh, verse 14 says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And you can think about that. If you're a belt wearer, you know the difference of when you have your belt on and when you don't have it on, right? With the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of, anybody know what? Gospel of peace. Okay? So again, I, you know, there's some times where we got to take it head on, but the gospel is a gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. What's the shield of faith good for? I'm glad you asked. Verse 16, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I wish you had that in your notes so that I have you underline all. Because sometimes we think, well, this is just the way it has to be. And what the Bible says is there's a faith that can distinguish all of those flaming arrows. Not because our faith is so powerful, but because of the one we have faith in 
this powerful. Verse 17 says, take the helmet of salvation. That's good. Anybody have to wear a helmet as a regular part of your work? Safety hat? Right? So you get that, right? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Now feel free, I, don't, I never want a scripture response, but feel free to smile about that, friends. Because this spiritual battle that does exist, the Bible just listed how to be ready for that. How to handle that on a daily basis. You ever left the house with the wrong color of socks on? Anybody? Nobody? Wow, I feel lonely. I was going to ask another question, and I'm oh, man, nobody's going to say yes to that. How many of you ever left with two different shoes on? Oh, thank, oh, wait a minute. So we got more shoes than socks. Okay, I don't know. Whatever. You know, you're in a hurry, and, and all day you're just sure that everybody, you know, thinks that you're an income poop because you don't, can't pick out the right pair of shoes, right? And reality is nobody's paying attention to your shoes. They're under the desk the whole day, all right? But isn't it interesting how, how much internal twist we can create by something just that small? Or if you're like me, you're, you're driving and you spill your coffee on your shirt and you try to, try to mop it up, but you're just sure that anybody from 300 yards away can see it, right? And we're so worried about that, but yet we would go out day after day after day spiritually, partially dressed. Spiritually, partially ready to go, not, not having given up on God. You don't walk away from your faith, but, but you didn't take your shield. You, you're not ready. Your belt of truth, well, I don't know what I believe, and you know, people think, and uh, no, you got to be ready. When we do that in the present, friends, is when you get to live out the victory that Jesus Christ bought for you. And that's huge. You get to do things you can never do on your own power, and on, on your best day, with all the influence you will ever have on this earth, shoved into one 24-hour period, you, you won't get it. Not like you will with that spirit-filled life, helping you grow, stretch, and be successful. Friends, I can't tell you how important the shield of faith is because those fiery darts that the devil likes to shoot at you and tell you partial truths and all-out lies. God loves everybody, but he loves you a little bit less because of that thing you did last week, 10 years ago, 50 years ago. That's not true, friends. If you don't have your faith in place, you're not going to distinguish that dart. The devil starts lying to you and saying, well, you know, if you would have just done this and this and this, your life would have been here, but, but, but here's where you are today because all you. No, actions have consequences. But I don't know about you, but I decided a long time ago to rely upon God's grace. His favor and his character that is so well displayed for us in the Bible. But see, if I don't pick up my faith, I go, oh, yeah, I guess it's true. No, it's not true. 
And so you snuggle up that belt of truth every morning and you go out and you do your best to live for God. And I promise you this, it's good enough. Because it's honest, it's genuine, it's sincere. It's being wise about what's good and it's being innocent about what's evil. Now Paul's direct reference uh, here is to an event that would happen in the future. So where are my lovers of the book of Revelation? Raise your hand. It's okay. Some of you just, you'll, you'll love that. You'll like all the, and it's good. Don't, please do not hear me say, it's good. It's good for us. All right. All right. And, and so he, he makes this reference. It's not on your note sheet again. Just obviously we ran out of space. Uh, uh, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10 is the most direct reference to what, what uh, 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 Paul's talking about, about the devil being thrown into a lake of fire. You know what that means? If you're already toast, now you're really toast. If you're already defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ, eh, there's going to come a point where life as we know it and its forms and functions are going to change dramatically. The devil isn't going to get to run around and mess with people anymore. Revelation talks about him and some of the false prophets and things going to be thrown into a lake of fire that reeks of sulfur and there is suffering day and night forever and ever. If you don't believe me, Revelation chapter 20, start about verse 10. Okay. I don't even like to think about that. The, 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 the amount of even just, just physical pain. Okay. I burn myself on the oven rack getting a pizza out, and I'm milking that thing for three weeks trying to get my wife to pay attention. Yeah. Can you imagine what that's like? Yeah. It's awful. But that's a result of rejecting God and living life on your own. And that's where the devil's going to end up. And so we can look in the past, we can look what happens today, and then Paul's reference uh, Again, I think it's the overall, but there, there, there's that connection to the book of Revelation. So that you can have great confidence that you can wake up again today and say, hey, I know the truth. Now, knowing the truth does not mean you have all the answers. In fact, I would tell you, if you think you know the truth, you probably don't have all the answers. Yeah. But it simply means that I have a confidence in God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And that's what I'm banking my life on. That's what I'm going to trust in. So the last one there is the devil put into the lake of fire. First Corinthians says this, For he must reign until he has put out all his enemies under his feet. That's Jesus. Uh -huh. Again this morning, I'm going to tell you, there's a place for all people who love God, who accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's a place called heaven, and it's going to be amazing. Better than any of the seven wonders of the world. Better than anything we've ever thought of, dreamt up, or imagined. It's going to be great. And that's the home for believers. So Paul doesn't, doesn't slide into the end of this and say, okay, yeah, you know, just keep up the good work and I'm going to get there soon. Can you just see him? He's still pounding away. He's still got his foot on that gas pedal of trying to get them to stay on track. Grow in their relationship with God. Push forward 
in righteousness. One more thing real quick that we want to, we want to try to address. Verse 20 says, The peace of God will soon crush Satan. You know when soon is? Soon. We just don't know. All right? Again, it's not on your note sheet, but you can go to Second Peter and, and, and look where there's some discussion there about God and timelines. Right? How many of you ever took a family road trip, whether you were a kid or you were the parent driving? Raise your hand. You took a family road trip. All right? Where kids get, they, they, you don't have to program them in, this into them. They just know, all right, uh, uh, about three to seven minutes in, they ask what question? Say it together. Are we there yet? How much longer? No, we haven't even got out to I-5. Right? That impatient thing that goes on inside of us. Now, you know, and, and we go, well, they're kids, right? And so you get on I-5 or, you, you know, wherever you're going, and, and uh, pretty soon, are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. And that goes on to the point where you go, hey, listen, if you ask me one time, you're never going to get there. <laughs> now, none of you ever thought anything like that. Why do I say that? Because it's kind of funny. No, maybe that's an example of how an interaction might sort of kind of look between us and God. You know that no matter how many times you ask, you got a five-hour drive ahead of you. You just do. And so you're an adult, and, and, and you kind of buckle in for that, and, and you just go for it. And you probably, you know, plan a stop or two along the way or whatever. I mean, I'm a, I once made a record trip to Salem with uh, some people that I'll let remain anonymous. We stopped three times. I didn't know that there was that many stops between here and Salem. Remember, Dad's first stop was Redding, California. That's when you get to stop. All right? But as an adult, we, we, we have a different understanding. Kids were impatient. I wonder if sometimes that isn't how God's going. Yeah. God's timeline, to state it simple, is much different than ours. All right? So if you're God Almighty and you've existed forever, you know, the fact that it didn't happen in 1990, I don't think God's up in his hands, wringing his hands and go, oh, well, i got to come up with plan B. A bunch of people thought it was going to do this. How do you know that you can get a whole group of people together and convince them of something, and it does not mean that God has to modify his behavior? Right? So soon means soon. Now, here's what I think we can do. We can always have hope. God's not a liar. He doesn't disappoint us. It's not put in Scripture there by a mistake. In the, in the, in the, the scope of eternity, going to happen pretty soon now i'm not even uh, vaguely remotely prophesying i don't want you to think that all right some of you are looking like oh pastor thinks he's got no 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 <laughs> what i think is it's going to happen soon that's not a cop-out you just trust god okay because i could convince you of a certain timeline and it's not going to mean that god has to modify what he's planning to do one of the things we know about god is that he's incredibly patient one of the things that's listening in Second Peter is his desire for everybody to repent and turn to him. That's the driver, not, not trying to get you to, 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 to hang on a little bit longer and be able to struggle and strive and, and do well. 
but that people would come to a relationship with him so they wouldn't have to spend eternity separated from him. That's what scripture talks about as one of the, one of the things that, that drives the timeline. Here's what we can do, friends, with the book of Romans. We can trust God. We can put our faith in him. We can look that even though this was written a couple thousand years ago, it has amazing clarity and accuracy to apply it into our life today. Good for us. Right? God's word says it's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And it absolutely will be if and when you and I will use it that way. Amen? Van's got a great song for us to close up with. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. Thanks for gathering with us. You guys are awesome. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Romans chapter 16. Thank you for all the subsequent chapters, the things that we've learned and studied, we've wrestled through, things that we need to go back and revisit, things that are easy to assimilate in our life and things that require quite a bit of effort, quite a bit of modification on our part. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be wise, to be good, to be students of godliness, and to be innocent about what's evil. Loving you and living for you. Boldly, for your glory, amen.